G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we head into Christmas, as we're approaching a new year, have you ever heard anyone challenge the idea that a work-life balance doesn't work? Well, you might like to join in our conversation. We'll give you the opportunity in just a short while. Our talkback line will be open on 1-800-316-316. Our guest today says it has never worked, and it certainly does not work in the 21st century when technology and the global nature of business means busy business owners and executives are required to be communicating and making important decisions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The demands of work have never been greater. Lifestyle expectations have never been higher. So what is the alternative? That's what our discussion will be about today, and you'll be able to join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Mentor, speaker, and author John Drury has written a book called Integrate. Why work-life balance is a myth... And what you really need is to create a fulfilling lifestyle. I want to make a special welcome along to 2020 today to John Drury. Hello, John. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. It's great to be here. John, great to have you on the phone. You're in Sydney and yes. you've written a book. It's Integrate, Why Work-Life Balance is a Myth and What You Really Need to Do is Create a Fulfilling Lifestyle. Let's talk about what the consequences might be for getting it all wrong. Uh, what can possibly go wrong with getting a wrong idea about work-life balance? Well, it, the challenges these days is, is that the, the juggle, the juggle of busy work for, especially if you've got your own business or you're pursuing a, a, a career where you're passionate about what you're doing, uh, the juggling all of the demands of that with all the demands of the personal life that, and we, we, we want our lives to be pretty full these days. And we, uh, if you get it wrong, it, it, it doesn't just destroy or, or jeopardize your career or your business, but you actually can jeopardize your health in a big way because, uh, Income, income protection claims now for what they call psychological injuries, you know, anxiety and stress and de- depression, re- mental health-related issues, are now the same level of uh, as for accidents and injuries, uh, physical injuries. So the, more and more people are, are struggling to function because of the pressure and the stress of trying to manage busy lives. Entrepreneurs have the biggest problems with mental health. If they're going for it 24-7, maybe for weeks or months or years at a time to try and get something going. And the challenges are great. So it's the health challenges are great. All right. So one of the biggest consequences is health challenges. So mm-hmm. when we talk about this issue, work-life balance, it feels like when you talk work-life balance that you're talking equal time to work and life and somehow or other that's the antidote to being a workaholic. How do you describe this idea of work-life balance and, and what's so wrong with that idea? Well, it does set it up as if work is somehow separate to your life, as if, if and, and 
seesaw, like we've got to get the thing equal, how much time you spend working, how much time you spend living. But for me, if you're passionate about your work, and I hope you are, and, um, you know, one of the problems of, of the 21st century is that some people are disengaged from work and work isn't connected to purpose, and that's a whole other issue. But when you're passionate about your work, you're not going to just switch off when the minute you walk out the door, you've got things that you're thinking about, your ideas and problems you're solving. And if, if you want to be successful, then it, it does take a lot of your mind and energy, mind space and energy. So it's not, it's not wrong to be thinking about your work late at night or waking up in the morning with an idea of, of how to do something and, um, and may, maybe getting, a, you get accused of, with the work-life balance concept, you get accused of being a workaholic because you're passionate about your work. I think passion is a good thing, but it's a, it's a matter of learning how to manage that passion <laughs> and integrate your work life with with all that's all, all all the other things that are important in your life: your relationships, your health, and, and uh, recreation, and, and other other activities of, of uh, where you want to invest in your personal growth and so on. So I can sort of get a, an impression here that when you're talking to perhaps ordinary employees in a business who are perhaps working a 8 to 5, 9 to 5 workday, they can switch off when they leave the office or they leave their workplace and all of a sudden their life is their own. But when you are entrepreneurial, if you are the owner of a business, if you're employed in a corporation where you have an executive role and it's a career that you are building, that you can't actually afford to be the person who does switch off because uh, there are bigger things at stake. Is that, yeah. a, an, is that an impression? So we are sort of dividing a workforce here because some people bit. will be able to switch off, but others, they won't be able to. Yes. Uh, there's some, some of what you're saying is true, uh, and I think. But when, when you have a fulfilling job, whether it's you know, you're a wage earner and you're, you're working nine to five, but if it's a fulfilling job, you, you are going to be thinking about it. you want to make it work. And I, I hope people connect work and purpose because it's a shame to spend one of the biggest segments of your life doing something that you find meaningless. So I would always encourage people to try and find a meaningful employment where you can get passionate and get involved. And, uh, and, and get your emotionally engaged as well as physically engaged in what you're doing. But, but you, you are making a, a distinction there, which is accurate. I'm talking particularly to people who are passionate about their work. And when we talk about that person who is in a work role now that is meaningless, purposeless, uh, they're not getting anything out of it. They're just going through the motions. Uh, they need that pay packet at the end of the week. And for Christian believers who are very entrepreneurial, who are interested in having meaningful, purposeful work pursuit, because we'd see that as a godly pursuit, that God wants yeah. us to have a meaningful workplace environment. Uh, what, what is your advice for that person who might be listening to our conversation today saying, I'm going through the motions and I hate going to work and uh, I don't even like the people I'm working with. What sort of advice do you have for those people? Uh, I would work on myself and and do some training and and then uh, find find where you are passionate and where you can connect find a job or connect your your work to purpose, whether that's in in employment or working for someone else or whether it's looking to to start your own business or do something on the side. 
There, are, there is a case for some people who do a diligent job at a workplace where the work is not the most important thing in your life except getting the money. Uh, but your passions, you, you, your passions are elsewhere and maybe you're involved in some cause or commitment in the community or in church life. And so you, you, you work and do a good job, but then you put your passion into other things that, that can work. But I'd love, I think everybody can find a, find a job ideally where, where there is some purpose and, and sense of fulfillment as well as just getting a pay packet. There's one of those open-ended questions. I'm interested in your thoughts, John. This idea, do we live to work or do we work to live? Uh, for those who might not have thought through what those elements mean, uh, take a moment to think through that. Do we live to work or do we work to live? Uh, have you have you had some developed thoughts on, on that sort of question, John? Well, that's one of the questions I ask uh, some of my clients who are working way too long and way too hard and hurting themselves and they're, they might be getting business success happening, but their, their partner is unhappy with them or and maybe left. Uh, some of my clients, have, you know, the, the marriages have gone because they've been so committed to their work or their children have grown up and are now spinning out, out of control and out of relationship with them because they didn't invest in their family life enough and that's the question I ask is are you are you living to work or are you working to live and most people say they want to work in order they can have a great life for themselves and their family but they don't always do that because work can become totally consuming and especially if you're passionate if you're a business owner if you're driven and that's that's getting lost in that is when the, the damage comes in whatever whatever area the damage is, is going to break out. Well, let's enlarge a little on this whole damage aspect for us here, John, because when you talk about people who are so committed to their work, they lose their marriage, they lose their family, and those things that were their purpose and meaningful pursuit uh, over those uh, earlier years, all of a sudden that uh, that uh, that's gone, and you have your own story. And this word mm. burnout is an important yeah. word. You would say you went through burnout, and if you get it all wrong here, this is the consequence, and you can lose everything. I wonder if you can enlarge a little on your own story here. Sure, I was uh, in in my work. I was pastoring a church. Uh, so it can happen in any sphere of, of work. And we, we were passionate about what we're doing, helping lots of people. And the church w- was ministering to hundreds of people and grew to be about a 1,000 uh, members in size. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of joy, a lot of success, a lot of, a lot of great things in, in, along the way. But as we went along, I wasn't really looking after myself very well. I wasn't exercising or staying fit physically. And I think there's a big link between physical fitness and emotional health because when you physically fit, you de-stressing, whether it's in the gym or playing sport or something. So there's emotional connections are there. Um, and I wasn't doing that. And I found over the years, because you know, I was doing this for about 20 years, um, toward, toward the end, I was finding it hard to relax. So I get to a day off and I wouldn't know what to do. I couldn't switch off. I, I would be struggling just to be happy in myself. I was restless and disengaged from relationships and feeling very, very lonely. And 
not sure what was going on. Uh, my compassion level for people started to go down. And I get annoyed and irritated quite easily. And uh, I'd go through little breaks and, and you know, have a little holiday or something and get a little bit revived. But I think burnout's a cumulative thing. It builds over time. So, um, yeah, I, and I had a marriage that was good in lots of ways, but was I was not investing in it sufficiently. And so we began to have some difficulties in our marriage. So I was so invested in helping people, and I think, to be honest, looking back, I was I needed, I, I enjoyed being needed more than I should have. Um, some of my own emotional insecurities were being fed by the work I was doing. The success was was great, and it fed something in me that wasn't just a god thing; it was a, a human lack, and uh, I was getting it met in a wrong way. So a whole bunch of things came together to the point where I uh, I made some dumb decisions in relationships and ended up having to resign the church and lost my marriage and family uh, in, in a way that was just shattering and devastating. So, well, it's tough to hear a story yeah. like yours. And uh, for some listeners who are thinking, well, you know, of course, uh, high-powered executives go through all sorts of challenges and uh, workaholism uh, can really destroy marriages and families and all of those different uh, purposeful, meaningful pursuits of our lives. Uh, but then to hear it for some people today uh, that this happens often, and this has actually been quite a frequent thing uh, with people who lead churches. Uh, church leaders, pastors, uh, have often been uh, the victims of uh, this level of burnout but this is reflective of what happens really, it doesn't matter what business you're in. I mean, we're talking about yeah. the business of church in one sense there when you're talking about being having been a pastor and gone through a burnout. But uh, yeah. this is typical of people who have a wrong way of approaching the way they do their business, whatever business pursuit. It, it's, it's the same, isn't it, across the board, but it does affect pastors as well. Absolutely. We, we're human beings. And when we're just doing, 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 and even in the name of a great cause, and, and there's no greater cause than the cause of Christ, um, uh, even in the name of that, you've got to look after yourself. So to lay down your life for others doesn't mean to burn yourself out. And learning learning where the line is and how you look after yourself in a way that doesn't feel selfish and self-centered, because you, you've got to say no to people's needs sometimes in order to look after yourself. And I wasn't good at that. Uh, but I noticed when you look in the Gospels, Jesus didn't heal everybody in Palestine in in, uh, in his day. He left the, the man at the gate beautiful. He must have walked past him many times going into the temple. This crippled man that Peter and John healed in Acts 3, um, Jesus would have walked past him many times and didn't heal him. And it's like, okay. So he didn't, he didn't respond to every need. He didn't try and fix every problem. He tried to respond to what God was saying to him. And I think that's the challenge. For a pastor, I guess it's a challenge for every Christian, but I, I got that very wrong. And I, I watch many of the clients I have now in business, and they're right on the edge of burnout. Many of them don't even realize it. Because you can function. I, could, I was functioning quite well. Most people were shocked when, when I you know, had to step down because um, they didn't realize that I was struggling so much because uh, you, you learn how to perform and how to function. 
but on the inside, I was just, uh, I'd lost my way completely. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is mentor, speaker, and author John Drury. He's written a book called Integrate, Why Work-Life Balance is a Myth and What You Really Need to Create is a Fulfilling Lifestyle. Well, you can join in our conversation. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's not leave anyone in the dark or wondering today, John. What's the biggest thing that really needs to happen to address this whole issue of uh, getting this fulfilling lifestyle, of integrating uh, to make things work so that you're going to avoid this challenge uh, which can happen with burnout? What are your thoughts on uh, on the way we ought to approach this? Well, for me, it, it, it starts with self-respect. It's uh, looking, after, looking after yourself better, managing yourself better, all of that goes back to a core uh, issue of self-respect, which for me is knowing my strengths, knowing my values and living to those, knowing what I really am about and what I want from my business and my life and, and seeking to, to pursue that with, with some passion. Uh, and, then, and then respecting myself enough to look after myself. With self-respect and self-care and then putting self-management pr- pr- uh, strategies in place to make sure it all works longer term, but uh, some of some of the insecurities that were feed, feeding my need to be needed uh, needed to be dealt with. So I had to do some work on myself. Uh, so when I sat down and, and, and had to deal with the loss of my marriage, I um, I went and worked with a psychologist for uh, about six months and just working through some of this and thinking about how on earth did I get here and what I need to do to deal with this. I started to exercise, um, joined an exercise class three days a week and, and got physically fit. And I, found, I was surprised how emotionally healthy that helped me be too. And there was a huge link there. And I started to, to do some things for me because I had not been doing anything for me for a long time um, and didn't realize it and felt a little bit guilty if I ever, if I ever did, I guess. So learning how to, to respect myself enough to look after myself and manage myself well is really the core of self-leadership. If you can't lead yourself well, then it's very hard for you to lead others in a long-term, sustainable way. When we discuss issues like values and issues of self-respect, if you're a Christian believer and you are endeavouring to get your identity in Christ right, you're looking to conform to Christ-likeness, you know, there's always somebody in church who'll be telling you uh, you need to read your Bible and have a devotion time every day and uh, prayer is an important element of your life both as a personal believer and uh, for the life of your business. Do those sorts of Christian routines make a difference when it comes to uh, this whole idea of respecting yourself and therefore strengthening yourself in resistance to some of the issues that can come with burnout when you're, when you're talking through these things you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've, been, that's got to be a healthy want-to thing. I think uh, finding, finding the right way for you to connect with God and His Word is, is the, the challenge for every Christian. And I, I know some Christians who, who they strive to have this quiet time every day and it, it, it's a real chore and a labor for them and doesn't really do much for them. I think, well, I think that there's some models of that they have in their head that might need changing. 
I, I know I get with my wife in the mornings now, and uh, and we I've remarried you know, seven years ago, and we've we've we we uh, spend some time in the Word and pray together every morning, and then have something that to to build to build the day on in terms of a word or a sense of what God's saying. And I know when we go to church on Sunday, I I value the church we're in. Usually every Sunday there's something in the service that speaks to my heart. And I think, yeah, okay, that's that's something that's an anchor. It's a help to me to to keep my my perspective from a heaven like heavenly perspective on my world. So all of those things contribute uh, very much so to helping me know who I am. And know and to respect myself for, for who I am as I stick to and, and live with live congruently to the values that I've got. When we talk about this idea of integration, uh, this is about those values that you have and being a part of your pursuits in business. Uh, what do you say to people when you're giving a definition of what integration means and what sort of difference it's going to make? Uh, what, what do you say? Well, I, help, I help people sit down and map their world. They work at what's important in your world. And a lot of people have never done that. <laughs> they just respond to all sorts of stuff and, and invitations to go to a birthday party or to... to go out with friends or depending on their age if they're young adults or if they're married with children or uh, older maybe kids of a time but in the period when you're most you're busiest in life which is usually from about 30 to 50 when you've got children in the in the home and all of their demands as well as your work demands and and you want to be involved socially as well most people get lost in the midst of all that so I help them map their world. We actually draw it on a page. I've got a little life mapping tool that I I use, um, and there's about ten circles to put all the thing, all the important roles and responsibilities in there. But including your health, like looking after your health and your fitness, and looking after your wealth creation, and all the, all the key elements of life that we often don't think about until we put it off and don't cram it into corners of our world, or only deal with it when there's a problem. Uh, so helping people think proactively about what's important in their life, their key relationships, and their, their work is obviously a part of that, but it's not the whole. It's uh, it's one one of the larger circles probably. And then then, how do we integrate that? Is just is look at it, say what do you want to see happen in the next twelve months in each of those key areas. So help them set one or two goals for each area for their marriage for each of their children, for their personal fitness and health, for their wealth creation. And there's about eight to ten areas that, that uh, I make sure they're looking at. And, and then sometimes people have other things that are, are unique to them. And when they do that and then take those goals and then start to, to, to plan how to make a plan for the goal, because a goal without a plan is just a wishful thinking, but, but set some plans in place for, to achieve that goal and then put it into their schedule, how they're actually going to do something this week or, and this month to make that goal happen. That's, that's how you integrate. It takes some work. It, it mm. takes a bit of planning, a bit of preparation, some thinking. But it's amazing, over a year, if you make progress in all the key areas of your life, you feel so much better, and you feel like, yeah, I really do have a fulfilling life. I'm not just working hard and then maybe got one, one thing, or my marriage is good, but then there's five or six other areas here which are terrible. 
but you're making progress in every single one of those areas. Uh, that's why you don't want too many. <laughs> but if you've got about eight or ten areas that you, you at least have one goal and one, one plan to, to make progress, that's how you start to integrate it. Well, I love what you're saying because what you've just indicated is that the map is the same thing as a plan. And uh, and if you don't have a plan, I discovered this some years ago and uh, made some changes in my own life and my wife and I together. But if we don't have a plan for the coming year, somebody else makes the plan for you, and that totally. takes <laughs> takes uh, that delivers you of any uh, the purpose and meaningfulness of it because somehow or other it's somebody else's deal that you're running and not your own. So you really do have to have your own map, your own plan. That's right, and that that to me is where the self self-respect thing comes in you don't know what you want and actually be willing to step up and go for it and live your life and when when you you when you know what you want then other people can't set your agenda as much and obviously the people in your world you want to relate to and connect with but but you're not having other people dominate or tell you how to work you're able to set boundaries on your life so that you can make progress in all the key areas so this is, I imagine, key to having the fulfilling lifestyle that you're talking about because we all want to have a fulfilling lifestyle, but you're saying that really what makes the lifestyle that you lead fulfilling is the fact that you've taken control away from everybody else controlling your life because you've got a map, because you've got a plan. Yes, that's that's one way to put it. Yes, I'd agree with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if we talk about this idea of creating the fulfilling lifestyle, John, take us a step deeper in this because we talked about the idea of mapping, say, a year ahead or coming up with some sort of a plan so that you've got some level of fulfillment that you can measure. But you like to talk about getting into a life rhythm. How do you go about doing that? Well, for me, this I call it rhythm of life. It's it's uh, it's about managing energy, and I find and, and somewhere between four and six weeks, if you work really hard and uh, you, you're passionate about your work, somewhere between the four and six week mark, uh, you you kind of get to the edge of of uh, your your energy levels. You start to get tired, and you and you're just functioning and, and not doing so well. You need some sort of break in there, um, and so what? What we do, what my, I've done now for several years, uh, and my wife does it too. She she runs her own business. Is that every four weeks we take a long weekend? So we'll have a slow Monday every four weeks. Um, a lot of businesses you have a roster day off, or you have a um, uh, some some kind of uh, pattern there. There's a lot of public holidays in Australia and. The way we've worked it out is uh, you can do this 12 times throughout the year, have a, have a long weekend, um, and then what we do is, because uh, we run our own businesses, we take a week off every quarter. So every 12 weeks we'll have a week off and stop work, down tools, go somewhere and do something. And at Christmas we take an extra three. Um, so not everybody can take six weeks off, but you can you can do four um, and either take the, the single week every quarter or, or a longer one. Uh, so that that establishes a structure for our year. We do our planning for the year ahead in October, so we've already done it for next year. And first thing that goes on the calendar is our holidays, and then then our long weekends. And uh, we, we've we've got those all in place. 
and we know that if we work hard in between the the, the, four, the four weeks, that we've got a long weekend coming, and we we, we either stay at home or we, we we take a day out somewhere, or sometimes we go away overnight, uh, and just we can wind down and relax. And each week we we also take a day off. Uh, so that for that for me it's Sunday. I just take the day off, go to church. I have a technology free day on Sunday. I don't take my phone with me anywhere. I'm not that important that anybody really needs to contact me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can uh, it, it does me the world of good just to put the phone away, not to think about Facebook or LinkedIn or any other kind of social media. Uh, not a problem. You feel a bit naked the first few times you do it, walking out the, out of the house without the phone. But I've not found it a problem. It actually does me a world of good. And if you, if the other thing you can do is take a technology-free break for a week on a holiday, that's very hard these days because mm. we're so we're so tied to this thing. Um, but it does you so much good to do that. Well, what is really fabulous in hearing you talk about taking those opportunities wherever you're able to and mapping those and planning those ahead is because what's so important is the fact that you've been through burnout. Yeah. And this is something that we're talking today. A lot of people wouldn't have gone through burnout, but uh, the advice is if you get these things in place, you may avoid the challenge of going through burnout we're taking calls 1-800-316-316 our talkback line is open let's take a call from ed in melbourne hello ed welcome along oh hello neil and john thanks for taking my call i hope you can hear me okay yes well, ed. I, managed yeah. company for, I managed the company for 10 years and then went out and i've been in business for myself for 30 years when God created the world, he worked for six days and rested for one. That's a principle that my mother taught me. It's a principle that I've always applied. And as my business has grown and where customers have insisted that I've had to work on the Sunday, I've declined those those contracts. Um, and I've also insisted that all my workers do not work on, on Sunday, and Sunday being the day that, that's set aside. It's something that I think many Christians have ignored for some reason. And I work very long, hard hours. Uh, not long ago, it was three months of working 18 hours a day for three months, except for the for the Sabbath. And I've always been well. I've been healthy. Uh, at one stage, I had a mentally um, uh, challenged wife and uh, had serious problems with that. Uh, it allowed me to still be able to look after my family and my kids. And I think it's something that Christians need to, to take into account before they they take into account what the target of their, their company growth is. Ed, great thoughts in what you're sharing there. Let's get a response from John. I, I agree. The, the principle of, of rest, and God put that into the whole universe, uh, so that it's, we're silly if we go against it. But taking that day a week where we, where we stop, where we give it, and we worship God, but also look after ourselves. I actually like to take two days a week, but <laughs> that's where I can. Um, but I think we definitely need a day uh, where we slow down, where we catch up with ourselves. And I think what you do with that day is important, to, to be able to do things with family, to connect with relationships, and to do some things that just replenish, because we, we need to replenish our batteries and our, our inner self. 
All right, Ed from Melbourne, thank you so much for your great inputs. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation today. Uh, let me just ask you a little further on this issue of taking this time off, uh, whether it's uh, having the Sunday free or having two days free in the week or having the long weekend once a month. For some people, they'll be thinking, well, that sounds like a bit of a luxury. Uh, others will be saying, well, you're missing out on a huge income for your business if you don't run on a Sunday. Uh, some people might be thinking, well, uh, you know, there's there's the dollar that's a factor in here, and sometimes you've just got to work extra hard to get ahead, and those dollars are meaningful. And what is your response with this sort of idea of a balance perhaps here, John, about uh, how much money you can make by working extra hard and what effects you might face if you do just continue along that line and, uh, and eventually lose things through burnout? Well, it's a, I'd rather have my health. If I had a choice, I'd rather my health than, than money. Um, but ideally, you can have both, but you've got to be wise about it. And that's the whole point of my book, you know, integrating integrating your work with the rest of your life makes it all possible. But if you get greedy and get, and push too hard, then you can you can damage yourself, the relationships, and everything else. So it's a matter of learning how to integrate that well and not getting ahead of yourself. And that's the challenge. I think learning how to say no to some things and uh, no to the, the there's an opportunity, but it's going to mean that you're going to be busier than you really want to be. Or uh, if you can't hire someone in or get some other people helping you, then some things are better said no to. Than, uh, otherwise, you end up saying yes to an opportunity, but no to good health or to no to your marriage in three months or six months or a year's time. And, and yeah. John, your thoughts on another dimension in all of this. Uh, you're a Christian business owner and you've got staff and you have high expectations of those staff to yeah. work hard and to have their own capacity to get ahead, uh, money-earning potential, and potentially there are people who would work overtime and work themselves uh, to an early grave, if you talk about that potential there. As a Christian business owner, uh, you've got some responsibility there for stewardship and the way that your staff are, in fact, uh, working themselves into the ground, haven't you? Yes, if you've got staff that are passionate, then you've, you've engaged them and you're motivating them well. That's that's a sign that you're not only a, a, a Christian, uh, you're a good leader. Um, and so if it, it's, it requires good leadership to get people really motivated and clear about what their roles are and feeling like they own the that they've got ownership in the business with you. Um, and I think it's important that we man help manage people's health. And, and I'm actually pitching things to corporate now, to corporate uh, large companies now, because uh, you've got talent, you know, people coming in the ranks as young executives, and uh, they pay them a lot of money, and they kind of expect them to be available all the time. But then they have a relationship crisis or whatever else and their, their capacity to work when they are at work drops because they're emotionally challenged because there's things are going on in their life. So it's important. I'm, I'm, in, I'm working with some companies to help them think about how, how, how can we help our staff, uh, keys, you know, people coming up through the ranks to think about how they integrate their world so that they've not got issues from their personal life sabotaging their work life. And so that's that's even an issue in corporate now. The, the number one thing that Gen Y coming through, which is the people who have come out to about 40 years of age, 
they they regard work-life balance issues as one of their things they're looking for most in a job. That's changing, uh, and companies that are smart will, will be helping their staff to make sure they've got a good work-life integration, as I call it, uh, rather than just working so hard and then ending up having a week off because they're sick. Uh, your body will take the time off one way or another. Uh, take us back to your use of the technology because if you've got a, a mobile device free day as you say on a Sunday you know you're not that important people don't need to contact you on a Sunday uh, lots of people have lots of challenges here and uh, there are addictive issues with the te- technology that we use uh, but particularly when it comes to our work uh, technology is important uh, this idea of uh, you know where do you start uh, where do you finish uh, the use of your mobile technology? What are your thoughts uh, for listeners? Well, in, in a busy job, uh, there are, and, and using, we've got our smartphones and it's a great device. It's, I, I love technology. Uh, but you're right, it is addictive. In fact, the, the studies now show that the, the same level of dopamine, we, we get a dopamine hit in our brain. It's a chemical that's released in our brain when we get a message or we get a, a like on a Facebook or post or a LinkedIn post and this engagement where we, we feel like there's interaction going on, it's the same level as a gambler gets when they get a win on a poker machine. So uh, there's a process going on there that addicts, uh, where it become addicted to our phones and more than we know. So try and go without it for three days and you'll find out. It's like if, the way you test if you're addicted to alcohol, if you can't, if you can't go a month without drinking alcohol, then you've got a problem. And it's a bit the same with the phone. <laughs> I, right. uh, I encourage people to have a little test of that. And while technology is there, it's there to serve us, not to master us. So keep, keeping it within the bounds, and the way I do that is just have a day off every week of, of using the thing at all, because uh, I'm the I'm using my phone probably 150, 200 times a day. I think the average now that we, we check our mobile devices 150 times a day. But some people are checking it 500 times. Some people are checking it 10 times. But we are so... It's like a leash that holds us to our work. And we've got to, let it, we've got to cut that tie sometimes in our, in our life. Another thing I do is we, we don't have any technology in our bedroom. So uh, number of, numbers of reasons for that, um, uh, but, but most importantly, I don't want to be going to bed with uh, screen use going on, and, and I don't want the thing sitting next to me on my bed's uh, table demanding of me through the night or having alerts going off. So I've turned all the alerts off on my phone. we put it in another room. We've learned to wake up without alarms, so we don't ever use an alarm in the morning. Uh, so I get up with the sun, 5.36, go to bed early enough to make that work. So I keep technology out of the bedroom, and that's a place for sleep. It's for, if you're married, it's sex. It's a place to read a book, maybe while you're winding down, but that's it. I like your sentiment. Uh, let the uh, let the mobile device be your servant rather than becoming a slave to it. You were sharing a little earlier in our conversation uh, your own challenge having gone through a burnout. And uh, I did want to spend a few moments just asking how you rebuilt 
and uh, what sort of principles you would put in place for people who are rebuilding their lives after having hit the wall. Uh, what sort of, uh, is there something simple uh, principle-wise? Uh, I mean, some of these things are all relevant to, to what we're talking about here, but uh, having hit the wall, uh, rebuilding afterwards, uh, is it, how long is the process? How difficult is the process? I think the, the length varies tremendously depending on, depending on what you've been through. Uh, it took, took me about a year to recover from what was a shattering experience, which I brought on myself. So in terms of emotional health, and that's why for me physical exercise was probably even more important than prayer, because initially prayer was hard, because I felt like I'd let God down, and it took me about a year to really receive his forgiveness and, and know that I was forgiven and I was okay with God again. Um uh, and it probably took me about three years to forgive myself fully and get rid of guilt and shame issues that, that were associated with what I've been through. Um, but, but that's where physical exercise and getting, getting fit and getting emotional release, the right kind of endorphins going around my body. Um, and then working with a psychologist, someone who helped me think and process and, and get, get rid of stuff that need, needed to be processed out of my life. That was all very, very useful. Then I began a personal growth journey. I did some personal development courses, um, and that, again, was incredibly useful. Uh, Being in a church environment where people accepted me and loved me, I didn't demand of me, uh, that I found a great church where that was possible, and the pastor really took me under wing and helped me through that period, and people just accepted me for who I was, and I didn't have to do anything in the church. It was different going to church just to be there and worship God and, and be a normal member of the congregation. So I had to, I had to learn all of that. Um, and that was that, that church family really did look after me. It was, was a wonderful experience. And I, I, I needed that support prayerfully and, and the encouragement of people. So all those things together, because I didn't have many friends. It's interesting uh, when a pastor falls, people don't know what to do. So I was pretty much on my own. Um, I had one or two friends who stood by me and they were like gold in the, in the midst of that. Uh, let us in on a few of your thoughts about money because it's an interesting thing because while we are uh, Christian believers, part of a church, with constant reminders about where money fits in the spectrum of what's important in our lives. Uh, for people who are outside of the church, who don't have a faith in Christ, uh, sometimes money is their biggest motivator, and uh, you know, mm. money is a motivator for people to work hard. And you've got to earn a living. You've got to have something to live on. So money's obviously important. But but how do you talk about the value of where money sits in the spectrum of what's important in your life when you're talking about an emotional recovery, coming back from re from hitting the wall? What sort of mm. attitude to money is important here, John? Ah, really good question. Uh, I think our relationship with money is one of the most important things we've got to sort out in our lives because. A lot of Christian people, and uh, certainly I, I had a, a negative relationship with money, and uh, didn't knew I needed money, but felt guilty if I had too much, and all of that sort of thing. You've got to work through that. And I love what John Wesley uh, says. One of his famous sermons. The, the outline was: work as hard as you can, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. Um, I think that's a fantastic framework for how, how we relate to money. And that's 
but but in the context of getting healthy again, I did a fairly low-level job for about a year where I could turn up at work, do my job, and uh, walk out and not have to think about work too much. Um, and that was that was good. It paid my bills. But then once I got healthier, with about a year, I got offered a job as a general manager of a small business, and that that I was ready for that, and the, my financial rewards went up with that. But if I hadn't got healthy, I wouldn't have been able to handle the, the, the pressure again of, of a management position. Mm. So uh, I think for that first 12 months, I... I budgeted very carefully. I made sure I ate well and I had enough money to do my exercise classes and pay my rent. Uh, and very basically, I had an old bomb car for a year. Making money was not my priority in that first year. It was getting healthy. Well, I know listeners will appreciate your candour and uh, the way that you're able to share these things. These days, you are actually coaching business people. Uh, you call yourself a business coach. Uh, I introduced you as a mentor, as a speaker. And, of course, your book is called Integrate, Why Work-Life Balance is a Myth and What You Really Need to Create is a Fulfilling Lifestyle. You're working with business people. Is it through your website that listeners today may be able to get in touch with you if they're seeing the need for uh, some sort of input coming from outside of them, some advice as to how to move forward? Uh, JohnDrury.biz is your website. Is, is that what people will find, a connecting point on your website? Yes, that's right. It's, it's B-I-Z, johndrury.biz is the, is the website. And there's, there's a phone number there. There's an email contact there. Um, and you, you can there's a contact form on, on the website as well. Um, very happy to talk to anyone who's in business. I'll help, I can help you be successful. I know how to grow a business. I've done it in, in, in the church life. In, there's a business side to church. We ended up with 40 staff and $2 million budget. Or there's a whole corporate side to church where I, I found the principles that applied there apply to business. When I ran the small business, I grew it 16% through both years that I was there uh, through the GFC time uh, by simply applying principles and doing things well. I know I can help businesses grow, but I, I do it in such a way that I help business owners get their life back. I can save you a day a week usually back into your life by helping you do things in in, in ways that are far more efficient and, and make your business more productive. All right, your book is called Integrate, Why Work-Life Balance is a Myth and What You Really Need to Create is a Fulfilling Lifestyle. You can get a hold of John's book when you go on to his website at johndrury.biz, B-I-Z, uh, it's also in bookstores. You can get it on Amazon. It is available with a Kindle version. And so uh, when people are getting hold of your book, uh, is, it a, is it a long read? Is it a hard read? What sort of, uh, what sort of feedback have you had so far, John? Uh, lots of good feedback. Uh, it, it's a sort of book, uh, at the end of each chapter, there's some things you can do. I think those that have found most use from it have, have read a chapter and then thought about it and have done some of the exercises I, I give them opportunity to do and then then sort of read it over maybe a couple of months you can skim read it right through and then go back and, and find the chapters that really apply to you and and work on yourself a bit by, by using the book. 
Okay. Well, undoubtedly, you've got some of your own story in there as well, as we've been talking about through this hour. I'll point people to that website. It's johndrury.biz, J-O-H-N-D-R-U-R-Y.biz. The book is called Integrate, Why Work-Life Balance is a Myth and What You Really Need to Create is a Fulfilling Lifestyle. John, uh, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.